warning. This podcast may contain spoilers from whatever TV show or movie is mentioned. Please listen at your own discretion. Welcome to viewers and audience. Yo, what's going on? I am Scoots Bronson. And I am S. Foster, and this is Viewers Anonymous. Man, how we feeling, bro? Man, listen, we are feeling uh, amazing. I took off work, you know what I'm saying, and, and got some, put some work in and did some stuff to, you know, uplift the podcast. Uh, I got some Bud Light with me. I'm feeling good, man. How you feeling? <laughs> <laughs> I got I got me a cold one myself, man. I got me a cold one yes, myself. Sir. I've been doing it the last couple of episodes, man. I'm trying to trying to get lively with the people, man. See so, you know I'm saying? Yeah, my, make myself a little more freer. Yeah, you got to. Oh yeah, oh yeah, man. So I was always worried about doing it, but I was like, man, fuck that. I said, man, I've been doing this shit going on, going on four years, man. Like I just did an episode of the Stolen Time podcast. And I mean it's not officially four years yet, but this is the fourth calendar year. Yeah. So I like I've been doing it long enough to you know what I'm saying have a little drinky drink on the pie, man. Ain't nothing wrong with that, man. You know what I'm saying? At this point, you're a professional. You know what I'm saying? You uh you've been doing your thing for a long time. We actually uh started around the same time, which is crazy, bro. Um I know, right? Four, yeah, four years coming up, podcast in total. You know what I'm saying? It's been a um it's been a wild ride for me, man. I'm not gonna lie. You know, I started off with already home, had to cancel that in the RIP to already home. You know what I'm saying? It was uh it was a it was fun while it lasted, but I learned a lot through the process. Um, you know what I'm saying? Gained a lot of different friends, you included, you know what I'm saying? Um, and then you know, we end up starting this joint. So I can't really complain. Oh yeah, man, for sure, man, for sure. And then like I said, uh last episode, man, it was the it was the one year anniversary episode. So and like we I've always said this, man, we we ramped this one up, man, and we trying to take this podcast to the next level. So that's why we're doing things like what we did last episode and like what we're doing today. You know, yes, we're trying to um, trying to get people, you know, some different perspectives on some things. And we like, you know, we're still looking for what, you know what I'm saying, what people want, man, waiting on that feedback from people. But as of right now, we're just going to do what we feel is best. And yeah. we able to bring somebody else back, you know what I'm saying, oh, for a yeah. back-to-back episodes, man, back-to-back episodes. Man, we gonna bring in the homie Jamar. You know what I'm saying? Look, I don't even know how to introduce my man no more because he told me that the Culture Connoisseur podcast is is done now. So yeah, man. Well, listen, I'm I'm introduce him next time, man. Um, you know what I'm saying? Good guy. You know what I'm saying? Um, former host, creator, owner of the Culture Connoisseur podcast. Um, new inductee into. Um, the sports media uh, realm. This young man has, you know, what I'm saying, helped us out tremendously. If you're seeing this, um, this, this, this uh, display in the background, it's because of him. He actually took time out to help us out and really show us and and help us out with uh, this new format that we have now. And um, you know, what I'm saying, we just gonna go ahead and throw him in here, man. Jamar, come on in here, man. What's up? What's going on, bro? What's happening, killers? What's happening? Man, another day, man, another dollar. I hear y'all. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. Look, I'm gonna tell you something. This is this is so funny. 
the episode that we're doing, man, to have Jamal on for this one because I'm telling you, this dude has been excited <laughs> about this episode for about I think I told Jamal about this what two and a half, maybe three weeks ago. Yeah, because yeah. I sent him, yeah. I sent him a list because he said he wanted to jump on, right? And I sent him a list, and the very first thing he said was, "Yo, I gotta jump on that any given Sunday episode." So, yeah, you know what? So, as a matter of fact, since you are so excited about doing this, man, I want you to kick us off, man. We're going to do it a little <laughs> different this time. You start oh, You start where you want to start this time because I want to know why you are so excited to do the 99 film any given Sunday. All right. So, first off, guys, thank you guys for having me on again, man. I appreciate it. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't start with that. Um, I also would like to point out that the Guinea Given Sunday is one of my favorite movies of all time. A lot of people know, like, for sure know, when I was in high school, I'm a big high school, college, huge football fan. I'm not a good player, but I'm definitely a good watcher. I can watch I can watch football best than anybody. So I watched it, and it always gave me the feeling like if, like, one day I ever got my shot, ever got my shot to get in the league, I could do something like Willie Bean. You know, I could do like a little Willie Beeman action. But it didn't really roll it didn't really turn out that way. Uh but you know, one of the fa- my famous things about Willie Beeman and this this whole story that they own is it's kinda like the poor man's story. You know, he's drafted, you know, he's you know, he's sat for a while, he's the third screen, he gets his shot, and then somebody tries to take it away from him to let the old head finish out the season. And you know, for those of you guys who don't, you know, don't really know the feeling of, you know, being on the top of the mountain, kind of, you know, getting your flowers and then somebody want to take them from you, you can kind of understand, like, Willie Beeman, how he's conflicted. Like, he's conflicted during this movie. And on top of another thing I want to talk about is the fact that him and LL Cool J really did have beef. And that fight was real. That's a fact. So, oh, yeah. That's another reason I've been super excited because a lot of people don't know this. Like a lot of movie watchers, they they saw the fight in the movie and they thought, oh, that's that's scripted. But actually, that's the original fight from them, like actually fighting it out, um, in that movie. But yeah, y'all can go yeah. ahead, however y'all want to go from there. I, I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. I see. I seen that. I seen that, and uh, it, it was so funny because they said that some of it was cut out. They had to cut some of that fight out because. It, it, it got real. It got real in the field. Um, you know, I, I I can attest to some of what you were just saying because I, I did go through a little something in high school. Uh, I, I told this story before. You probably – you know the person. You know what I'm saying? I, I never said the name because I just didn't feel like it was really relevant. But, you know, I was, I was groomed to be a receiver since I was, like, on the C team. Because I was on the C team in the seventh grade. I was on the ninth grade team in the seventh grade. So I was groomed to be a receiver. And then my sophomore year, but starting my freshman year, they started playing me at corner. Then my sophomore year, I became, you know what I'm saying, a corner, but I was doing both. So then going into my senior year, that was my year to be, because like there was like, it started out with Courtney Wright, and then it became Sergio, and then it was supposed to be me. Like I was supposed to be that, that both sides of the ball started, and it was supposed to be my year. So we going into training camp. They tell that we go into training camp. They're like, Sean, look, you the you the veteran of the team. You've been, you know, been the, you know the offense just as well as anybody. We want you to groom this other dude, right, for the betterment of the team, and 
all this little stuff. So I teach to do everything I know. You know what I'm saying? I the stance. You know what I'm saying? The cuts. Everything. You know what I'm saying? When we run in this play, it's best to be here. No, 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 all this type of stuff. So we go into a scrimmage against somebody y'all probably both heard us uh, I know you know him, Jamal. Uh Sidney Rice. You remember him, school Played for uh I know played yeah, for I know Minnesota. About the Minnesota Vikings. Dude. Dude, he went to Gaffney. He played against Sydney Rice. So, yes. So, I, I got Sydney Rice coming basketball. up. See, I didn't play him in basketball. Yo, I played him in okay, football. So, so real, real quick question. I, I don't want to cut you off, but real quick question. So, I know I know that Sydney Rice is from a place called Gaffney. Yeah, yeah. Gaffney. Gaffney's okay. 30 minutes away. The reason I know of Gaffney is because the writer for Kevin Hart, he's from Gaffney as well. And they, him and Sidney Rice give out turkeys to Gaffney every year for Thanksgiving. And he always talking about Sidney Rice when he talking about giving out turkeys to Gaffney. But that's crazy. I, did, I never knew that, bro. Yes, yes. So I'm playing. So I got Sidney Rice coming up. So they're like, Sean, look, since you got – because at the time he was already – I don't know if he was committed to South Carolina, but obviously he was getting recruited by everybody. Mm-hmm. So they're like, hey, you focus on Sydney, and so you just worry about corner this week. We're going to let the other dude get the snaps, and then we'll try to work you in later, right? So, you know, I held my own against him, and then we get ready to go into the season. They make my man a starter. At receiver. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm mad as hell. I'm like, man, this is supposed to be my year to do both sides of the ball. So I'm mad as hell. So I'm like, right, I'm just going to do my defense shit. But then, second game of the season, we playing Burns. You might have heard of Burns. Burns was, you know, a nationally ranked team. They played some teams from Ohio because they used okay. to travel and play people. They, they definitely and, uh, played Northern Ohio teams. Yeah, so – we play, we go, we play them. We down, what twenty one? So then they put me back at receiver, put Sinclair at quarterback. We make a little comeback. So now I'm starting receiver and starting corner again. So then we go to the next game. Your boy, I get, I get three passes. One of them was a touchdown. The other one was like a sixty four yard catch. And then they throw me another ball. I let it drop, and then when I went to catch it, my knee. Knocked it out of my hand because I, you know, I'm saying I'm running because I was trying to catch a low ball. I didn't see offense again to the first playoff game. Uh, Mad as hell, mad as fuck. Anyway, ruin your life. No, you know what? Nah. (laughs) And the thing, the thing about people don't know about Sydney is Sydney's like definitely a three sport athlete. Like he's not just he wasn't just a great football player. He was actually really really good at basketball too. Yeah, I know, I know that. He played basketball at, US, at USC. Yeah, he can jump out the gym. He kind of actually, he, if you put him and Sean right beside each other, they actually, they pretty much the same body type. <laughs> like, like yeah. no, no yeah, lie. Yeah. Like so they can I both jump. Did he win the state championship? A bunch of them. Yeah. That's uh, why I, I was, I was hoping y'all would have said no because I'd have been like, man, my man Sean better than you know, what I'm saying Sidney Rice. But well, me and Sean both. <laughs> <have> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the funny the funny story about Sean is Sean them won it in football, and then my team came back and won it in basketball the next year. So Jamar, so, you a hooper? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, no, no. no. So t- no, no. Fuck that shit. <laughs> no, let me tell you, Scoots. Let me tell you, Scoots. So I was my senior year, right? Because we was 
we was trash for like two years mm-hmm. because our coach, our head coach, thought it was a, a genius idea to have. So you know, you keep twelve on the roster. He you had this one idea to have 10, 10 seniors, okay, one yeah. junior and a sophomore. So then when I come on varsity, we only got two dudes that's ever played varsity. So we trash for two years. Oh wow! Like trash. Like we won like four games and then we won like seven. Wow. So then we go into my senior year. We balling. Like yeah. balling. So then we go to the playoff. We make it to the third round and we play this dude, Devin Downing. You might have heard of him because he went, I think he went to Cincinnati first. He went to he Cincinnati. He played in Cincinnati and, and then, then he, he transferred to, to USC. So we playing this dude. Now, me and Jamal, we, we kind of on the opposite sides of this because he got a different experience. Yeah. Our point guard tried to make it a personal thing and try to go tit for tat with Devin Dowling. <laughs> Devin Dowling lit his ass up. Next thing you know, <laughs> like, Devin, look, dude, this is the first time I ever seen a player in high school cross half court and pull up and hit that shit. Mm. So our point guard thought he could do the same thing. <laughs> so he would come down. And next thing you know, we down 20. So I had to spend my senior year, my last playoff game, we get blown out by this dude. And then the next year, these most winning a, a, a championship in basketball. So real, real quick, I got to throw this out there because I don't think – like Sean telling the story, but he ain't really telling the story how traumatic it really was. <laughs> so what happened was, you know, at the end of the year, at the end of the season, the coach pulled up the younger dudes from the JV to help out. Yeah for scout team and stuff like that. So I'm at this point, I didn't grown. So I think I at that like I think my freshman year I might have been like four, maybe four feet tall, maybe four ten mm-hmm. or something. So by the time I get to be in a sophomore, I had my growth spurt like right like right in like between Thanksgiving and Christmas. So I think yeah. I grew like seven inches or something. So I went from being like probably like five three to being like six feet. And I'm six two now I had but had that same problem. So well, what happened I don't was have that problem but I had that same problem. So I grew. <laughs> so that some when I came back from break, Coach Neely at the time was like, "Oh, well, we got to pull him up." Now I had killed on JV. I think I might have averaged like twenty five points on JV. Nice. I come up, shun them already up there. So at they practices, they dunking and stuff like they dunking yeah. and all that. I ain't never seen nothing like that. So I go to practice a couple times. Sean might not remember this, but Sean actually dunked on me in high school. He does not remember <laughs> this shit. He does not remember <laughs> because have you ever went like somebody's driving to the basket and then you try to swipe through they on their arm to try to swipe the ball from them? Well, I didn't realize how strong Sean was at the time because yeah. he don't he didn't talk. He just was he was like he didn't have no voice. Like, he just didn't he didn't make noise. He didn't talk. He was just playing <laughs> basketball. So dude goes up on like a three on two, two on one drill. I try to swipe through his arm, like try to swipe down. My dog like lifts up like one of these, and then I'm just under the goal like, all right, well this is happening. Yeah, you know it's happening. So that I think that was the level. So then my first game going with, with them was to play against Devin Downey, and they'd already told us he was raw. Mm-hmm. We we already knew he was real. So we get down there. They on the bus. They talking. They telling dude that we talk about in question. They telling him you can't go shot for shot with this dude. He will embarrass you. Yeah, first of all, bro, first of all, with a ball in his hand, he probably run a full flat. Like, I'm not even kidding. Oh, yeah, that's all bad. So he 
first play, I don't. The first play I think that I ever that I saw, he literally made one two soup, stepped across half court and jaded. First play of the game. After that, it was an ass whooping. Like it was just, I ended up getting to play in that game. <laughs> it was getting beat so bad, I ended up getting to play. Wow. And that's my okay. introduction to Marshall. Okay, so listen. So this is this is my uh, sports story because everybody thought our sports stories, right? So I started playing <laughs> football. I started playing football when I was eight, and I had no idea what the hell I was doing. I just knew that I watched football all my life, and finally I had a chance to play. My mom threw me into uh, Pee Wee. Now, in Dayton, right? Well, I take that back. In in Southern Ohio. Southern Ohio is not like Northern Ohio. Northern Ohio is like Texas. So, like, once you get to Columbus and up, it's like Texas. Football is religion. And then, like, once you get to, like, uh, South Columbus and down, it's like, uh, so I played for a team called the Dayton Flames. My first year, we ended up getting runner-up. I played DB and uh, that's I played free safety and corner on the right side. My number was 20. I felt good, you know what I'm saying, because I was one number down from Dion. So I felt like, you know what I'm saying, the next year, if I get good enough, I can get that 21 because, you know, Dion was the man at the time in the 90s. Well, my next year, they told me I'm just going to be playing safety because I did good at safety. Well, I got number 35 next year, and we had got brand new jerseys. I know, right? We got brand new jerseys and everything. Well, the next year, you know what I'm saying, I was off and on the field. We ended up winning this, um, the Pee Wee Super Bowl, won the championship. So, you know what I'm saying, 97 runner-up, 98, you know what I'm saying, champions. 99, I hyperextended my left knee. So I couldn't play for the rest of the season. The doctor told my mom it's best for me to just stay out or whatever, you know what I'm saying, he was trying to get her to do. So my mom was like, well, next year you can go. Well, by the time next year come along, I'm in middle school. So I get to middle school. I'm playing for a team called the Fairview Bulldogs. And Fairview was cool because all my cousins and stuff went to Fairview, so everybody in there already know me. So I get there. I'm playing on, you know what I'm saying, the seventh grade team. They moved me to the eighth grade team. But I probably weigh about maybe like 115 at this time, right? Instead of putting me at safety like they're supposed to, because they already got a safety that's there, he's an eighth grader, they put me at middle linebacker. Never played middle linebacker a day in my life at 115. So, I'm I'm coming off the bench playing middle linebacker. My seventh and eighth grade year. So, my eighth grade year, um, my stepdad comes in and he ends up coaching like middle of the year. They needed a coach. So, he was like, I coach. So, he switches me over to cornerback. And then I end up doing playing corner for the rest of the year. And then high school – I get there, I try out. I also hyperextended my um my left knee again in eighth grade. And then when I get to high school, try out, we go. The coach is like, yeah, man, you good, you good. You know what I'm saying? By this time, I done learned how to basically read film. I done learned how to read quarter, I mean, read receiver's feet. I know what side you're going to. I know if I'm going to press you. I know if I'm not going to press you. I know if I'm going to play five, three, or seven yards up off of you. Normally, I do five to keep it neutral. If I think you, you know what I'm saying, soft, I'm going to play three up on you. If I think you could beat me because I wasn't really that fast, I'm going to play seven on you. So 
I know to always keep my back towards the quarterback because I can read people's eyes. I know if your eyes going up, the ball up. So I know to throw my hands up, you know what I'm saying, come through the middle, spread out. That was my technique. Excuse me. Well, I didn't get picked up. So I said, cool, ain't no big deal. Somehow, one way or another, you know what I'm saying, I was out kicking it with some friends. We go play soccer uh, with some people on the um, on the east side of Dayton. And um, there was a recruit there from the University of Cincinnati. And I got a scholarship to play soccer at UC. Well, by the time senior year come along, I don't want to do school no more. I'm sick of school. I was in the academic magnet program. I had, you know what I'm saying, great grades, all this other stuff. I just didn't want to do school no more. And so I turned down a soccer scholarship. I had a uh, football scholarship to St. Joe's in uh, Pennsylvania. And then um, that was that was pretty much about it for my high school career. Oh, I ain't going down that road. We'll be, we, won't, we won't even get into the podcast if I go down well, that road. Y'all won state championships. I just wanted to get it. I just wanted to turn it morbid real quick, you know what I'm saying, to let people know, you know, everybody can't be great. So, you know what I'm saying, don't feel bad. <laughs> you can always start a podcast. So, uh, <laughs> oh, man, you stupid. You stupid. <laughs> so, listen. Yo, listen. Know, oh, go ahead. No, you got it. You got it. Okay. So, for people who don't know, man, you know what I'm saying, right now we're talking about any given Sunday. Um, that's the movie that we're talking about. It was great to get those stories because this movie is really about competition. This movie is about love. This movie is about uh, loyalty, betrayal. Um, this movie is really about uh, you. Um, the I get. I don't want to say. I guess I say ageism. Is that a good word? To, to, is that a good way to put it? Um, but it's it's really just about the ups and downs of being a. Uh, a quarterback in what would technically be the, the the top league of football. And this movie was probably one of the greatest sports movie. Well, I take that back. Not probably. It, 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 to me, it is. It's one of the greatest sports movies to ever be put on film. Okay. I can see that. I can see that. And then, like, they have a star cast the way that it did. But what I loved the most about this movie was how realistic it was. Now, even though we never really been in that round of people, we hear stories from former players and all this type stuff of really how this stuff goes when it comes down to the medicine, when it comes down to the drugs, when it comes down to dudes that... Look, I love LL Cool J, but LL Cool J was straight up snitched. So it was. It was a rat throughout the whole movie. Like, dude. And so you would see that I'm pretty sure there's instances where guys would, if they feel like, if they're trying to get to a certain commercial, or they're trying to get to a certain yard point to get a, a you know, a bonus, they will go and talk to the coaches so they can get the ball. <laughs> it's like, yeah. like, yeah, it's crazy. And then also. But Willie Beeman to tell the story of, like, yo, I, I separated my shoulder. I, you know, well, he, he got in trouble in, in college. You know, how many times do we hear this story about guys? He said he got in trouble for, for taking a suit from a guy that he didn't even know. Well, he took a suit from a guy to go to a wedding for somebody he didn't know. So he yeah. got hit with NCAA violations. So nobody wanted to touch him. So then he went to seven, seven round. And then a team 
say he got quick feet, so they moved in that corner and jacked up his shoulder. So mm-hmm. then once they bounced around the league, they didn't know what position the dude played. So like we get that, and then you get the the star wide receiver, then you get the you know what I'm saying the aging quarterback that's supposed to be. I don't know, like, that really kind of reminded me of, like, uh, you know, something similar to, like, a Brett Barr type of thing where it was just, like, he was he was, he was on his way out, but they didn't want to move. But, see, they had two players on their roster like that. But I think the only reason they had him and Sharp still on their roster is because they had an old-school coach, Tony D'Amato. And I'm not trying to do all the talking, but I'm say this. Tony D'Amato, what I liked about him the most was how he figured out that he had to adjust. At the end of the movie, he knew that he had, if he wanted to keep coaching in his game, he had to change the way, he had to change his philosophy if he wanted to stay a football coach. That's one of the greatest things I like about this movie, how he adjusted to Willie Beeman. And then the decision that he made towards the end, I thought that was great. Yeah. Yeah. I say that man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it a step further. So in 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 all the sports movies, uh, so initially, so no people probably don't know this either that when the movie first had got uh, pitched as a pilot, the movie was backed by the NFL. But once they realized that they were gonna be talking about concussions, money, uh, a lot of the different stuff, partying, the drugs, and all that stuff, the NFL pulled a lot of their support from, um. From this movie, and in and, and in turn, it just shined a light on a lot of problems. Like we see LT struggling, you know, with concussions, and you know, still wanting to be in the game and popping pills to be able to still be able to play. And we still see stuff like this today in the in in the in the game now. Like we see a lot of the concussions and whatnot uh, happening, but we don't also we all a lot of times we don't see the uh, end result. And the end result is in situations like Earl Campbell and stuff like that, where them cats can't even really walk or um, stuff like that. They just didn't beat their body down so so bad, you know, that really, in all honesty, you've done yourself a disservice. Even though you've made millions of dollars, you're never going to live to spend it. So um, that's a part of this. It it, it highlights a lot of times, too, and we haven't talked about this, and I I was going to throw this out there. Um, it's It's about a black quarterback. It's not about a white quarterback. A lot of people don't really look at that. Like in the game, in the NFL in this day and age, and even in the NFL in general, um, there's not a lot of representation for African-Americans outside of skill positions like your receiver, your running back, uh, your corners, stuff like that. They don't they don't really show us in the form of being a quarterback. And when it's a black quarterback, they make it known that he's a black quarterback. Like, oh, so-and-so's got a black quarterback. Like as if it's, you know, it's – this thing that you know we should that shouldn't be happening um so i i think it was really interesting that they took a black quarterback and took him through his uh his journey becoming a starting quarterback in the nfl base and uh you know how he you know interacts with his coaches how he's interacting with his teammates and then the, the car getting cut in the middle bro like that <laughs> that was just crazy so it's just a lot of crazy stuff that was happening and I don't know, Scoots, baby, you can expand on it, man. I just think that movie was, it was so dope because it was so wild. Yeah, 100%, man. Um, this this movie was, to me, I felt like it was the Hard Knocks before Hard Knocks, right? This was the Hard Knocks Uncensored. This was the, the movie that kind of showed 
um, you know what I'm saying, what goes on in locker rooms, you know what I'm saying, what um, what those older players feel like when, you know what I'm saying, the new talent comes in, um, you know, what the new players feel like when they're on that brink of being a starter slash superstar. Um, not only that, I noticed that this movie kind of reflects a story that we kind of seeing right now. Um, it's, it's probably not there yet, and it may not even get to that point, but I challenge a lot of people to keep an eye on it. And for me, I feel like it's a, it's that story of, and in a way, it's not the same, but it's it, in a way it is. But it's that story of Dwayne Haskins and Alex Smith. Um, you see, you know, a young black quarterback coming up, trying to take the spot of an older white quarterback who, you know what I'm saying, went through his transgressions, went through his injuries, got a second chance, could possibly take over. And, you know, we kind of know the story of Dwayne Haskins right now, but I just seen a lot of that in that situation uh, from this movie. But this movie also is a love story. You know what I'm saying? I, I talk a lot about love stories. I said it on the, on the last episode of, of Rocky. But this is a love story this time of a coach in football, you know, a coach who football is his life. Um, everything that he does is surrounded by football. Everything that he is is football. Um, it's also a love story of a young quarterback in football. You know, he. I remember when Jamie Foxx did that scene, where he was talking to um, his girlfriend, and he was saying, like, yo, like, what am I supposed to do? Everything I've known, every, ever since I was a kid, I've grew, I've, I've been groomed to do this, you know what I'm saying, to do this, to play football. I grew up to play football. This is all I've ever known. I don't know how to do anything else. And, like, that scene to me hit deep because I don't think people really understand, like, with these athletes, a lot of times they really go through nothing but football. From, you know what I'm saying, from the time they're a kid to the time they get older. Like, even, we you know what I'm saying, we just talked about our own stories about how, you know what I'm saying, being younger, growing up, going through the ranks of, you know, peewee and middle school and high school. Like, takes the time that it takes, um, you know what I'm saying, the sacrifices that you have to make as a child to even get to that position. And so, it, for me, this movie was just showing you the – I don't want to say the ugly face, but more so just the real, the realistic aspect of what goes on in athletes' lives. And a real quick, quick, um, real quick fact that I learned as well that Jamie Foxx was not supposed to be the lead of this movie. He's in the movie as a wide receiver. Willie B. I mean, not Willie B. Um, I'm gonna say Willie B. Um, Bill Bellamy. Bill Bellamy. Bill Bellamy. Thank you. Bill Bellamy was supposed to play the role of Willie B. And before him, it was somebody else too. Uh, dang, they had they had, they had casted somebody else. Yeah, uh, Puff, uh, Puff Daddy, Puff Daddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. That cast, but Puffy couldn't throw. Yep, but I remember, I remember they was talking. To, I forgot who was talking about it. Uh, I think I heard it on like drink champs, but they were saying that Bill Bellamy was supposed to be the um, the lead of Willie Beeman because you know, saying he was like the pretty boy, he was athletic, he could really play that role, and then. I guess it just got to the point to where I think it was the um, the music video scene where they had cut it off and was like, well, he can't do the music video scene. And then Jamie Foxx comes along 
He could sing, dance. You know, that motherfucker could basically turn into another person. Uh, we seen that with Ray, and then he get the spot. So, y'all do y'all research though. Yeah, I, 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 that. <laughs> <laughs> now, like Jamie, Fox actually played football in Texas. So, I mean, this, this was so, this is really kind of a road that he was built for. But, like, I think that what really struck a chord with me that, that really cut deep was when he was doing when he went on his tour with, with his head got big, let's be honest. Um, he got a little too big for his britches too quick. And he was doing an interview with the uh, with the one guy. And he was talking about how black kids are raised, well, they were raised in sports to be individuals. He was like, yeah. we're not raised to be, you know what I'm saying, team players. He was like, we always want to be number one. He was like, who won? Who, who lost the Panthers Cup last year? He was like, who came second in the um, – and the hundred yard dash, he was like, "There's no number twos," and that really speaks to like when you look at, at a lot of like, especially like receivers and corners and stuff like that. Like even now, I'm not saying what Booker McFarland is saying. I'm pretty sure y'all heard what he said. He said that that yeah. black players are too. He said black players are more focused on their brand than actually playing ball or winning or whatever. I don't think that's the case for everybody. But is there a few guys that are like that? But the only reason they like that is because of how the media covers sports. Sometimes the media covers sports if it's like they only if you're not winning, the only way you can get deals is that you are a great individual player. So yeah. some guys will feed off of that and that but that's the thing is is that's just like when this whole thing started to switch up, like what do most people do when it comes to little league football? They get the best athlete and they put them at quarterback, whether the kid can throw or not. So then that that get that it's a tough subject to talk about because it's like the way Jamie played that role, and even when it comes down to the soundtrack, y'all. I mean, if you listen to some of the songs that was used for this movie. It really, even though Al Pacino was really the guy in this movie, and, and Cameron Diaz was big at this time, Dennis Quaid was big at this time. This was, it was kind of like a black film, you know what I'm saying? And then you got somebody like Oliver Stone who give you that reel right off the rip. And then, you know, I didn't even realize off the jump that Oliver Stone was one of the announcers <laughs> in the really? movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I, yeah, he was, yeah, he was one of the announcers that played that was in the movie. And uh, I didn't realize that at first, but I just think that that was one of the touchy things in it. But then also, I love how they put in the movie to move off of that, how they put in the movie these call girls, these thousand dollar call girls and stuff. And they put my girl, my girl Elizabeth Berkeley in this joint. I had like <laughs> the biggest crush on that motherfucker growing up. Boy. She was on Nile 210. Hard. Well, since we're speaking on uh, girls in the movie, I personally think that uh, Cameron Diaz was a smoke show, bro. Like, I don't lie to y'all. Bro, she was looking Still super... Is. She is a smoke show. She's super tough. She got a lot of uh, qualities and whatnot. Uh, she was definitely my favorite one of that movie, uh, for sure. I wanted to throw this out as a question to you guys, and, and uh, y'all don't care which order you guys answered in, but uh, I know... From watching that movie, we all know that Willie Beeman was, a, you know, kind of 
he came bigger than life and it all happened at once if do you know like what do you think would have to be like in a real in our real lives if this happened to us like do you think that you would be able to handle that success or do you think it would kind of go to your head too to be an nfl quarterback like out of like basically overnight overnight success uh i i'll go ahead and go first um I think that me personally, I'd have been able to handle it only because really I'm an introvert when it comes to um, the people that I don't know. And so for me, like I have a, a like a small case of like OCD as well. And so like I do things to the point to where it's like it's perfection. Well, to me, I feel like it's perfection. Um, so for me, I feel like even when I like I you know so like I told the story of you know what I'm saying playing cornerback as a, a middle schooler I was able to read where a receiver could go just by the way he places his feet just by the way he would you know what I'm saying line up on the field I knew that if he lined up closer to the sideline he's going deep if he put you know what I'm saying if he lined up on his right side and he put his right foot out he was going deep and maybe cut in I knew that if you know what I'm saying he lined up with his left foot he was just going to take it straight out if he was a little bit more inside. He was going to go straight to the end zone, you know what I'm saying, and run a flag route instead of a post route. I, I just paid attention to a lot, you know what I'm saying, more detail, and I'm real, real detailed about anything and everything that I do. So for me, I feel like it, it wouldn't have been a big deal. Um, I don't know how I would have personally handled, like, the media aspect of it. Um because being an introvert, I really don't like to, like, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I think I take my time or I try to take my time talking and saying certain things because I know how certain things can be um, taken and, and can be used as offensive or, you know, I may say something that um, that may offend somebody or whatever. So with that part, I don't know how I would handle that. But as far as, like, the, the glitz and glamour part, that would have been like an easy breeze to me. I probably would have been like uh, Tom Brady. I hate to say that, but I probably would have been. Um, shoot. I would be – I wouldn't use Tom Brady. I, I think for me, y'all probably both know the answer already. Um, I, I definitely wouldn't have handled it that way. Um, I've had people, you know – like. I'm not no one. I'm not well with compliments. You know, I like you know. You always more tell me like I'm the OG, all the type stuff, and you know I have people tell me that I'm reaching people doing podcasting and all of this stuff. And I mean, when I was in, when I was playing ball, like you know, a lot of people thought that I was you know you know pretty good at you know at this football thing, and I would have been able to handle it. My only thing would have been more of being a little anxious of, of going to the media and talking to people, um, mm-hmm. um, like it's it's like I don't even really like talking about stuff. So like like Jamal said, you know he's uh, you know I don't um, and all this stuff. And he has like all these positive things to say, and it's just like I mean even though I don't remember that, but I mean maybe I did, and you know I don't think it even come on here and tell a lie, but like. I think I would have been able to handle it. I, I definitely wouldn't have got the big head because I feel like that there's always somebody that's just as good as you are 
Um, there's always somebody that's working just as hard as you are. And I, I love how he was able to be humble toward the end because I felt that he needed to be bring, brought down to earth because he, but he, the lesson that he learned was the fact of, and Cap Rooney told him this. He was like, dude, he said, oh, how did he say it? He was like, uh, you could go out there, you know, by yourself, but is anybody going to follow you? Mm-hmm. And so he went on that TV show and said that, you know, the other team ain't going to touch him. He got the invisible juice. And all the other dudes are like, yo, this dude only been starting two games, and he think he's hit. And the offensive yeah. line didn't protect him. So he mm-hmm. learned pretty quick, like, yo, you can't do this shit by yourself. And that's the thing football. Football is one of the most ultimate team sports. And – you cannot do this thing by yourself. And he got humbled, and he realized that he couldn't do it himself. So I've always been that team guy. I'm not the – what do you call it? I, mean, I, I, was, I was considered one of the, you know, quote-unquote stars on my football team. I didn't see myself as one of those. I just seen myself as one of the dudes that, you know what I'm saying, when, I, when I'm playing my side of the field, my objective is to lock it down. You know what I'm saying? So I, I never really I never really looked at myself as that great. I mean, it was so I remember one day when I when I first graduated, because I didn't go straight to school. Well, I went straight to school. I, I went to uh Greenville Technical College, but you know, they don't have no football team or anything like that. So I went there and I ran into this guy at Walmart, dude. I'm just at Walmart about to, you know what I'm saying, school about something. And the guy says, Hey, you're Sean Foster. I'm like, the old white guy. About Mid-50s, I'm like, how the dude know me? He was like, man, you was a great defensive back. Man, what are you doing here in Walmart? And I'm like, hey, like, and like, it's so crazy for you know, somebody to just come on me and know who I am. Just a middle-aged white guy, you know, call me and tell me that I was a great football player. So, like, it was, like, I'm not good like coming like this. So I think that I would have handled that situation a whole lot better than Willie Beeman did. And but at the same time, like when you have like those type of people around you, some people can let that influence the way that they act. But I also thought that there was a lesson to be learned, and I think that it was the way. I think that's the reason why they put that in the script. But since Jamal went out the screen, this is what I want to talk to you about. Okay, I thought that Cameron Diaz character of being the one. For her dad to leave her in charge of the team, I think he knew, no point intended, that she was a shark. I think that he knew that that girl could handle being pretty much the only woman to be either a GM or owner of a team. I think he knew that he probably set her up to run that. And she was ruthless, dude. When, when, when When she talked to uh, racist ass James Woods, the uh, first <laughs> trainer guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I gotta call him out, man. He, 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 Shut up, he, James he Woods, man. I, man. Fuck James Wood. Nah, he, um, he plays. So, the, he plays the roles nobody wants to play, man. Yeah, because that's him. He plays the roles that he, even when he was Lester. That's him. All right. Yes. So yes. Then when when he when they was in the, when they was in the office. 
and she was talking about Sharp playing, knowing he had a concussion problem. And she wanted to stick with Willie, but she wanted Sharp to play. And then she was going to cut him after the season. And it was just for her to make those decisions. You know what I'm saying? Because it seemed like she was just a very ruthless character. And she had to be that. And something else I wanted to point out was I remember when um, she was talking to this one guy. When Willie, when Willie first got to play, Carabini went down after <laughs> one play. And then it was like, it was like, who's this guy? And they was like, what? And he was like, oh, I think Art found him, you know, before he went away. So yeah. like that was her dad's last gift. Like yep. her dad was like, uh, what's your boy's name? Ah, uh, used to be with, uh, used to be with uh, Bill Polian before he got crazy and said Jamar, Jamar, but uh, Lamar Jackson was was a receiver, was a good quarterback, and uh. but. But the way, but the way he built that 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 coach team around Peyton Manning, mm-hmm. he was the GM at the time. But yeah. like, so he used to find those diamonds in the row. Nobody thought Bob Sanders was going to be that good. You know what I'm saying? Nobody Ooh, thought Bob that. Oh, uh, yeah, Bob, Bob originally, was decent originally he was decent in college. Nah, he was good, man. If you if you go back and look, if you go back and look in 2020, I, uh, it, I'm sorry, I, I hate saying that out loud. But if you go back and look with 2020 vision, I think that you'll have a different landscape to look on Bob Sanders. I'm not, don't get me wrong. I think Bob Sanders was great. Yeah. I, just, I don't think that I, I mean, thought that Paul did a good job. Yeah, uh, no, I, 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 see just, I see what you saying. I agree with you saying though. Yeah, but like. But I think that, like, her dad, it seemed like, like even when you look at Charlotte Bay and Cat Rooney, like, because those was, I'm guessing, like, was his original, like, picks or whatever. But yeah. I thought that she was, I thought that she was ruthless. I think she played that role really well. And I know Jack, that Willie Beeman was mad when he asked her out on a date. She said that she didn't mess around with football. This is the thing, though. <laughs> the look that she gave him, she gave him a look like she would give him some. Don't, don't, don't give me that look. If you ain't gonna give me none. That's true. That's all I'm saying. I mean, for me, man, this this movie is, you know what I'm saying, one of those movies that shows so many different sides of the you know what I'm saying, the game of football. Um you brought you brought up Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson to me, I feel like is also a story of Willie Beeman and Cat Rooney. You know what I mean? Like with him and Joey, uh, Joey Flacco for what they had to go through. You know, um, Joe Flacco was a championship quarterback who, you know what I'm saying, helped bring um, the offensive side to Baltimore. When Baltimore didn't have that offensive side initially, you know, when they was with Trent Dilfer and they won that Super Bowl, um, you know, it was the defense that won that Super Bowl. That defense was really the, you know, saying the catalyst for everything. And then, you know, you come into, you know, Joe Flacco taking over, and, you know, he really helped that offense basically become, you know, saying one of the premier offenses uh, of the league at the time. And then, you know, he gets to the point to where he gets too old, or they felt like he got too old, 
And then you bring Lamar Jackson in this, you know, saying this this young gun who who could come in, he can move with his feet, he could throw the ball, he could stand in the pocket. I mean, he could basically do it all. And you know, this is this is what you see in any given Sunday. This is this is the same situation between Lamar Jackson and Joe Flacco. Um, for me, I think that one of the stories that I feel like that they should have dove a little bit more into was the Cap Rooney story. I think that I think that Cap Rooney was a very interesting character because there was a, a, a special scene in this movie where um, he was sitting in, I want to say like his trophy room or something like that, or his basement or his man cave or whatever. He was talking to his wife and he was talking about retiring. And <clears throat> she had basically got them together real quick. She was like, yo, snap into it. Like, nah, we're not doing that. You know, like you Cat Rooney. You know, you the man. You you are the you are the, the heart, the heartbeat of this team. Without you, this team doesn't do anything. We're not gonna let some young rookie just come in and take over. And I thought that, that was very I thought that was very important to have in the movie because you know we like now we get to see like the reality shows of like basketball wives and we used to have football wives or baller wives or whatever they had on TV. We get to see a certain side of them, but we don't get to see the side of them that we got to see with Cat Rooney's wife. She was basically like his agent, his, his, or his catalyst. Basically. She was the one that was getting him together when he felt like he was about to, you know, say take an L. Um, you also see a story of two, two elder statesmen in the league who basically are on their way out but still can give pretty much all they have to the game. To me, I felt like Cat Rooney was – he was more like a um, – his story kind of resembled Peyton Manning in a way. Like, he was a he was an older guy, you know what I'm saying? He, he gave it his all. He was very successful. He got an injury. And then, you know, you got this young guy who comes in and then – it's like he's doing a little bit of something, but this injury is so nagging that, you know, they're not really winning. It's not like they were coming in and they were getting W's at, uh, or starting off. They weren't coming in and getting W's. But what ends up happening is you bring this, you know, you bring this guy like Andrew Luck in, and Andrew Luck just shows out, you know. But Peyton Manning has to go to another team, and he has to pretty much prove like he still has it. And I felt like that was kind of Cap Rooney's – you know, that was his storyline in a way. Like, even though they didn't show him getting traded, you know, or he didn't leave the team, but pretty much he was going to be that guy that, that was going to eventually go to another team and have to prove that he still had it, you know saying, that he still was the the cat, you know what I'm saying, the, the captain. And, I, I mean, it, to me, I felt like this movie just, you know what I'm saying, Jamar said it you know, best, like the NFL pretty much had a thumbprint on this movie. And you could tell, like, with, you know what I'm saying, Jim Brown being there, with um, with Lawrence Taylor being there, you know, this movie really had the ins and outs of, you know, um, I mean, T.O. was even in this movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, this, this movie. Ricky Waters was in this movie. Who? 
Ricky Waters. He was in this. Yeah, yeah. Like this movie really had the ins and outs of, you know, what I'm saying the 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 football league. You know, what I'm saying I don't want to say National Football League because in, in that movie it wasn't National Football League, but you know, what I'm saying it, it really had the the ins and outs of, you know, what I'm saying the the top football league, like where all these guys pretty much go to to do everything that they want. You know, what I'm saying that they were pretty much groomed to do, and I mean it's just. It was just amazing to kind of see that, you know, saying that 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 behind the scenes of it, even though it wasn't behind the scenes because it was a movie, but it was it was good to kind of see the behind the scenes of how everything rolled out. Um, my question to you is, um, how did you feel about Al Pacino being the coach of this movie? Because that was a, for me, that was a different thing. Like I felt like they kind of modeled him after you know, like a Bear Bryant or um, a Woody Hayes or a Bo Schembechler, you know what I'm saying? Like, a, a, you know what I'm saying? One of those old school, you know what I'm saying? Hard-nosed college coaches who, you know what I'm saying, pretty much were those traditional guys. How did you feel about that? Uh, like I said earlier in the podcast, I, I thought it was great that we seen him make that transition because we see a lot of coaches um, – they get stuck in their old ways. I watched it with with um, Bobby Bowden. It, it got to a point where, yeah, like they, he was so no, no. The greatest example I had to use basketball. Excuse me, I had to use basketball. But the perfect example would be uh, Bobby Knight. Bobby Knight couldn't adjust to the time and. Tony the model was the same way. Like he was so stuck in the running game and getting offensive linemen and you know LL Jupiter being Julian Washington and he wanting to run the ball and and also I'm not mad at Tony the model for being mad at Jamie. Um, I'm not Jamie. Willie Beeman was changing the plays because that shows the disrespect to your coach. Like that's not the type of things that you do when your coach is calling plays and. I thought that Al Pacino was a great coach, and I remember uh, hearing a story when he did the uh, the inch speech. Um, when talking about the game was uh, a game of inches, and oh, was it? they said that they 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 played a tape of uh, some coach, and they were telling him to you know say it in this certain type of matter because they said that he was kind of struggling giving that speech, which is kind of crazy that somebody like Al Pacino would, would struggle with something like that. But I never really seen Al Pacino in a sports movie before. And I thought that he did a, a, a really great job. And like I said, I love the transition because when he gave that speech, it touched Willie Beeman. Like, and also what humble Willie Beeman was watching Cap in that first half. And yeah. then, like, and like I said, uh, Cameron Diaz went up to the coach and was like, yo, you put Willie in the game. You know what I'm saying? In front of the whole <laughs> team in the locker room. Yo, Cameron like, Diaz was so bad then, ass in this movie. Bad ass in this movie. And the, I thought yeah. my favorite part, my favorite part when, when she was talking to Tony and she said that, uh, you know, it's free negotiation. And she said, that means you too. He was like, 
You know how many young cat used to uh used to do negotiations? Uh, have a beer, shake hands. And then he walked out. And she said, "Fucking beer." I totally forgot that that was her uncle. It's so it's so weird in this movie because the dynamic that they have is not of like a, a you know like an elder and a a youth. You know what I mean? Like as far as family goes. To me, I felt like it was more so like he, in a way, he was like her dad. You know what I mean? Like, I felt like, and and this probably is like a weird weird comparison, but to me, in that movie, like, it was like um, Jerry Buss and Jeannie Buss. Yeah. In a sense. You yeah. know what I mean? In a sense. And, in a sense. In a sense. Yeah. But, you know, like, the way she carried herself, you can tell, like, she wasn't necessarily groomed to be in that position, but she, you know, you could tell she grew up around it. You know, that's all she, that's basically all she knew. And she loved it probably more than, than Tony loved it. You know what I mean? Like, she, to- she, go ahead. But to- Tony kind of lost and because he was going through his personal shit and he yeah. wasn't winning. Yeah. And, 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 to finish, and to finish my part real quick. Oh when, yeah, and, that, and don't forget, don't forget that Hooker left him too. No, no, she didn't leave him. He wanted to date him for real, and she was like, "Tony, that's not what you want. Like, you don't she want that. Him. Trust me." She left my man. Like, she left my man hanging. No, she said, "If you want to be a regular, I'm fine with that." Because remember, he said, "I want to see you on a regular." And he and she was like, okay, that's she fine. I give you my one number. Huh? She knew what he meant. But but she wanted to make she wanted confirmation. So then we think <laughs> the dude is without the money. And she was like, Tony, that's not what you want. Like, trust me, that's not what you want. And that tells you right there how he was struggling with his wife leaving him and all that type shit. But to finish the point, so she comes down there and say, Willie. You know, I want him to be the starter. But this is the thing. Cap realized when he made that touchdown and he flew through the air. He only, no way he only did that shit was Willie. He knew yeah. Willie was, was breathing on his back of his neck. And he jumped in that end zone and he looked at the crowd. He knew it's over. Yeah. I'm, I'm done. And I thought that that was great that they showed that scene. That was a very powerful scene that a lot of people don't talk about. But he went in the locker room like, Willie. I need you to lead the team. And then she comes down there and say that shit in front of the whole team. And then Willie's like, yo, he already told me I could play. And then just the way that he called plays in the second half, even though they hired Crozier to be the offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. Tony's still calling plays. And he started calling plays that Willie was changing plays. And then the, then the dudes would look like me called that one play like, man, this guy. And he was like, nah, y'all, it's Coach D's call. He said, I'm sorry about yeah. big head back there. He was like, you know, it was it was the devil. Red 666. And then, <laughs> and then he was like, <laughs> so then like, everybody. <laughs> and then everybody like kind of knew. And then the one biggest call in that game is like, Willie had called a timeout. 
and he went up to Coach D, and like so, and he asked him about the uh, about him throwing up, and he was like, which I never understood that part because he said, why you think I've been throwing up every week? You were throwing up before you even went to his house, so mm-hmm. I never understood that one thing. But anyway, so he asked him about the uh, about the, uh, jambalaya, and he was like, man, worst shit I ever tasted. He said, why do you think I've been throwing up every week? So he sent him out there, and then he called uh, Kamesh. And then, um, and then, um, Crozier was like, hey, Tony, what you doing? It's 14 seconds left. And he was like, uh, you know, that's why I feel. So this motherfucker called a damn option play with 14 oh. seconds on the clock. Like, that just shows you how he changed the way that he played the game. Yeah. And the way that he called. Look, I love Cameron Diaz. I do. But he fucked her royally because this motherfucker left before even the coach game was up and took Willie Beamy with him. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, yo, this is the all time. So I think that I think that Al Pacino playing a coach, I think it was I think it was very I think that he did a I mean I haven't seen anything that he did a bad job in. You know what I'm saying? Of course. I, 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 think that, I, thought, I think it was good, though, man. I think it was a good choice. I mean, I agree with you, man. But to me, I feel like that that relationship between him and Willie, right, when he when he put Willie on the field after that game and, you know, they were, they were sitting in that empty stadium and he was telling them, you know, remember, you know, remember how it was when he was playing backyard football? You know, remember how hungry you were. Remember, you know what I'm saying, the the way you felt. And he was just pretty much just, you know what I'm saying, putting that confidence in him. Even though in the end it kind of, in a way, it kind of came back to bite him just a tad bit. But I feel like that's where him and Willie kind of built that trust. You know, he he pretty much right then and there put his faith in Willie Beeman. He wanted, you know, he, I, I think he really wanted Willie Beeman to know, like, yo, you know what I'm saying, at, from this point on, you're my quarterback. You know, I, I want you to be my quarterback. And it was interesting because, you know what I'm saying, you talk about the relationship between um, him and Cameron Diaz's character and and his, you know, we, we kind of seen this as well happen this past Sunday, you know, um, with the Jets. You know, we seen a coach who put in a young quarterback in Jalen Hurts who who was um, down? You by mean three the points. Yeah, down by three points going into the uh, going into the fourth quarter. They take him out and put in the third string quarterback to tank to get the seventh pick in the uh, in the draft instead of get. Um, I'm sorry, what what? No, it's the seventh pick. In the six. Draft. Six. 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 If they would have won, they would have got the ninth. If they would have lost, that okay. they got six. There you go. There you go. That's the story. So. You know what I'm saying? We even kind of seen that happen in the movie, like to where it wasn't necessarily about draft picks, but we, you know what I'm saying, we got to see how the higher-ups got to kind of tell the coach what to do in the moment of a game. You know, they was like, yo, we want to see Cap back out there. We don't, you know, Willie is good, but, you know, he getting too big for his britches. Let's get Cap back out there. And, you know, we, we paying Cap all this money. Let's, you know, we want him to be there. And I feel like 
you know what I'm saying? The same thing kind of happened in Philly, even though it wasn't Carson Wentz. But it was, I think they kind of did that to Jalen Hurts to kind of pretty much save face for Carson Wentz. You know, it was it was that thing of let's get this young quarterback out here because he might win this game and he might prove us wrong. So we're going to make it look like when he's, you know, when he's making some bad plays, let's take him out because we don't feel like he's progressing enough. And I feel like they threw, you know, Sarah Sudfield in there to kind of make it look that way. Because I feel like if it was the other way around and Carson Wentz would hurt, they would have threw Carson Wentz in there. And, um, you know, it was it was kind of the same way with Cap and uh, and Willie Bean. Um, what what I really want to talk about though is the relationship not between Willie Beeman and Cap, but Willie Beeman and the team. You know what I'm saying? Like he was he was basically going through progressions as a you know what I'm saying as a as a young rookie. Well, I want to say he was a rookie. I don't know if he was a rookie at this point or not. No, he was he was a fifth he was like year. a journeyman, wasn't he? Yeah, because remember they say he was on five different teams before he right. went there. Okay, okay, I'm just making sure. But you know what I'm saying? Like he was he was a journeyman going into this game, um, and you know what I'm saying? Like he basically found his, you know what I'm saying? He found his man. It's it's so crazy because this movie shows so many storylines. Like even now that I'm saying that, like he's a journeyman. I'm thinking of Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, a guy who comes in to a team, helps the team win, gets the team to a certain spot where they can actually fight for a position. You know what I mean? Like, it's so many. This movie shows you so many different aspects of players that is, I mean, it's ridiculous, man. Yeah. Um, the storyline that, that, that sucks. Um, and I hate to see it. Even like I mean, I didn't get emotional or anything, but it, it was just it was sad to hear and to see. One of the yeah. most disappointing things to see that's really realistic is the scene when Sharp is in there with the new trainer because they fired they fired James Woods ass because because <laughs> he switched he, he switched his his uh, results his uh, his head scan um, results. Mm-hmm. So that he can be clear to play. Mm-hmm. So they're sitting in there and they're telling him with the wrong kind of hit, you know, you could be, you could potentially die or yeah. get paralysis or something. And so he's telling the story of like, yo, I need three tackles in a sack and I get a big bonus. And it's like, he was like, he was like, man, he said, all I need is three tackles in a sack. He was like, let me get that, and then we can talk. He said, you hit me, motherfucker? <laughs> that, that shit was funny. Hey, Lawrence Taylor did his goddamn thing in this movie, too. <clears throat> oh, yeah, for sure. And, like, what was sad was, because Jim Brown telling him, like, have you ever seen an old boxer that, you know, that's going around shaking and can't remember anything that he done in his life? And so then he's like, yo, Coach, like, he was like, man, I gave you, you know, I gave you 13 years. He's like, you can give me one game. Like, just let Yo, me play quick. this one how, game. How deep, how deep was that scene, though? Because you know who he was, you know he was talking about Muhammad Ali. Yes, he was. He, he had to be talking about Muhammad Ali. And then also, I'm pretty sure they know 
Especially Jim. Remember, Jim Brown and Muhammad uh, Ali retired they, before they he was friends. 30. They good friends. Yeah. And he retired before he was 30. Exactly. So he stopped taking a beating early. Exactly. And like that scene was so powerful because he's begging. He got his hands together, begging the coach to yes. let him play one more game. Just so, and he, it's just really, so he can take care of his family. Exactly. And there's so many dudes that are in the league that are playing hurt. And, and but then you also got to think about a dirty trainer switching the results of his test and then the other trainer knowing, like, we have to give them the decision. And well, he was a Tony D'Amato, yeah, he was. And D'Amato did the job he did on LL Cool J's head. Oh yeah, and then he told my other dude to go in there. And he was like, "Man, he's like, I know a a, a plastic surgeon, a real good one." <laughs> but like, dude, that scene, that scene was so sad because he's begging, and yeah. Coach Demaro, he's like, "You got to sign a waiver." And it's like, how many situations like that really happen in the NFL with these guys really trying to get on the field, either for money purposes, either. Yeah. Even sometimes just not to lose their job. Man, some of these guys will play with a broken leg and just give me a shot just so I don't lose my job. Mm-hmm. And it's sad, but it's also something that needs to be shown to the people. And I thought that this movie, that made it really realistic. And it was it was sad to see a guy that I'm pretty sure in the movie he was probably playing about 39, 40 years old. And to see a linebacker for number one, I'm sorry. Name me one 40 year old linebacker that's still good. Ray Lewis. Make it the fuck out of here. <laughs> Ray Lewis retired. Ray Lewis retired at like what 37? 36, 37? He was he wasn't that old. Nah, he, he damn near was he damn near was uh 40 though. Um I mean, well, to me, I feel like when you when you play in in like those linebacker positions, when you playing in those uh, lineman positions, you don't get to get that age because mm-hmm. you know that's that's constant. That's every snap. You know what I mean? Like that's all contact. I feel like you know receivers, um, DBs, maybe quarterbacks. They get to live, you know. So they get to live that extended career because, you know, they don't they don't have that constant contact like linebackers, running backs, linemen do. Um, you know, like the they say the average the average career for a running back is three to five years. You know, that's the same for a linebacker. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. is a lineman is really even shorter than that because you know they're yeah. constantly you know banging, banging, bang. That's every play they're banging. And that's over what, one hundred snaps a game, so mm-hmm. you know, it's it, it gets to the point to where you kind of look and it's like you you feel him when he's when he's begging because you understand like yo you want to you know you want to provide for your family you want to be there for your family, but at the same time, you know you understand what Jim Brown is saying because it's like yo you want to be there for your family but at the same time. You don't want to be there for your family, but end up a vegetable and can't enjoy that time with your family when you finally get the chance to be there with your family. You know what I mean? Like you, you don't, you don't want to be the guy who, um, who's basically supporting 
you know, being the support for the family, but you can't, you know, you can't run around with your sons or your daughters when they're young. You know, you can't uh, walk them down the aisle when they get married or when your daughter get married or you can't be, you know, you can't stand up and hug your son after he gets married and, you know, you can't hold your, your I'm sorry, you can't hold your grandkid because, you know, you know, you, you're not in your right mind. You don't want to be that guy. You know what I'm saying? Um, we, we've had, speaking of movies as we, you know, that's what we do. You know, we had the movie come out about the CTE. You know, we, we, we've had stories, you know what I'm saying, constantly come out about CTE and the effects of, um, football players in the long term. So, you know, we, we don't, you don't want to see him go down that road, but at the same time, it's like, I think this is why this movie is also so great because it gives you that battle of, you kind of feel him. You want to be on the side of Shark, but at the same time, you want to be on the side of Coach, too, and just be like, yo, Shark, just sit it down and relax. You know what I'm saying? You got time to, you know what I'm saying? You at least got another year under your belt if you sit down. But, you know, he he's so focused on, and this is, this is once again, I go back to, you know what I'm saying, how intricate and behind the scenes they were in this movie. You know, he talking about the incentives. You know, he's like, yo, if I get a few more tackles, if I, if, if I get a few more sacks, I can make this amount of money. You know, I could I could get this. You know, what I'm saying it, it. Um, to me, I feel like Shark is, and I know I keep doing this, but I'm sorry, bro. It's just it's so easy to do this with this movie. But to me, I feel like Shark is Antonio Brown, right? Not necessarily the CTE part, but um, we all know the struggles that Antonio Brown went through. We all know, you know, what I'm saying the the they say he you know deals with mental health, so. The fact that Antonio Brown had, you know, got a second chance to come back and play with Tampa Bay, you know, we we know how, you know, so those things kind of go. You know, we even hear about or, or they even talk about in the middle of the game when Antonio Brown is playing, they're talking about how if he gets so many catches, he'll get, you know, saying a, a, a quarter million dollars or he'll get a hundred thousand dollars, you know, saying uh, making certain incentives um, or if he finished out the season without an issue, you know what I'm saying? He'll get this amount of money. And, you know what I'm saying, like, we've seen people go to bat for him, like Tom Brady, um, you know, and it's like, it seems, you know, it seems far-fetched until you watch this movie and it gives you that, uh, it gives you that actual real look inside of what these guys really go through. You know, imagine, um, the. to me, I think one of the best scenes was, when LL Cool J and Jamie Foxx fought, even though they really actually fought, but you know what I'm saying, in the movie when they got into it, you know, he's the whole, his whole thing is, yo, I need my carries. I need my yards so I can get, you know what I'm saying, this to this point on my contract. And I can't do that with you because you can run the ball. So you actually taking away, you know what I'm saying, you actually taking uh, uh, food out of my mouth. You taking money out of my pockets because you got feet on you. And we don't get to, you know what I'm saying, we don't really get to see or hear any of these stories. I mean, you may or may not hear about them during the Hard Knocks series, but that's why, once again, I said this was Hard Knocks before Hard Knocks because you actually get to see all of the intricacies and the levels of, you know what I'm saying, pro football from this movie. And I think this is probably like the realest it's ever been as far as sports goes in the movie, I've never seen like a basketball movie be as real as this. True. And I, I, I think that also when it, when it comes to the Julian Washington character, because we get that with him too, 
So remember I told you he was a snitch. All right. So mm-hmm. let me go to the second time he snitched, and then I go to the first one because the first one is gonna make my point. The second time he snitched, it was when Willie Beeman went to the party and said, Yo, we'll be top dog if the defense would step up. And he was like, Yo, man, don't talk about the defense like that. Shark will whoop your ass. He's like, Man, like I give a fuck. He runs down there and tells Shark, Oh, man, look, he's up there talking about, man, we'll be top dog if the defense was playing better. I'm like, man, get the fuck out of here. So yeah. then then the first time that he snitched, he goes into the office and talked to the coach and the offense coordinator. Mm-hmm. He was like, yo, he said, look, he said, uh, Reebok got this whole thing set up as soon as I get 2,000 yards. He was like, the only way I can get 2,000 yards, I got to get the ball. And then all of a sudden, he was like, he said, all they do is this, this play, this, this play. I got a better play. <laughs> and then he was like, <laughs> he said, he said, he said, uh, he said, he's changing the plays in the huddle, the plays that you call, the plays that I love. Oh, I'm yeah, like, that's the that's that's scene with that's the scene where they was in there with the trainer. Yeah, and then he was like, he said, yo, he said, we won the game, right? He said, he said, you a fucking offensive coordinator, Crozier. He said, <laughs> he was like, shut the fuck up and do your job. And like man, he's a snitch, man. Yeah, man. Who? How many players? I'm the reason he said he loved the plays he called because Tony D'Amato was a run first coach. Tell me, tell me the plays that you call the plays that I love. And I'm like, man, get the fuck out of here, man. He, but he, he was talking me about those. I can see that. Yeah, I can see Le'Veon Bell doing some shit like that. But like that's another one of those consent of things. Like yeah. he wanted to get this, he wanted to get this commercial with Reebok. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like and all this type of stuff. So the only way he could get it is like you say, he had to get the ball. I just thought the way that he went about it, you know what I'm saying, was you know. But when it comes to your pockets, you know what I'm saying. It's not that I don't blame him. It's just the fact of like. The way that he went about it, and then to throw Crozier under the bus like that, and like, what do you mean? Are you just an offense coordinator? Shit, offense coordinators are dope. I yeah. love them in the offense coordinator. <laughs> like, yeah. so it was just like for him to like throw him under the bus like that. It, it, it was it was just crazy, man. But like, I thought that his character, you know, that really showed you another. That gives you another example when we're talking about the consensus, like that mm-hmm. being these contracts. The only person that really just, I think Bill Bellamy was like the most cool, laid back person in this whole damn joint. Yeah, he was a receiver. Usually, he usually receivers are the one that's wild. Exactly, they were supposed. He's supposed to be the diva. I think that um, what's funny is, you know, what I'm saying that you, I, I'm glad you actually brought that up. What's funny is I kind of see now why he didn't get the the, the part over Jimmy Fox. You know what I'm saying, like. To me, I feel like to be a receiver, you should – and I think that's why they kind of brought T.O. in there as well because, you know, like I don't know if T.O. would had the chops to do it yet, but I think they also wanted to – I think they wanted Julian Washington to really be a wide receiver because to me I don't feel like a running back would act like that. He had the – he really had the characteristics of a wide receiver. You know, like, yo, if you don't throw me the ball and I can't get the ball – you know what I'm saying? Especially when they were talking about the, the, the incentives. Like, I feel like, you know what I'm saying, he went that route. Like, instead of saying, hand me off the ball, I think they 
they was trying to get it to where they was like, yo, if you don't throw me the ball and get me the ball, I can't get my thousand yards, you know what I'm saying, on the season. But it's funny that, you know what I'm saying, Bill Bellamy was that guy because in a way, like, even though they didn't really show much of him, though, like, he he really kind of embraced, uh, he really kind of embraced Willie Beeman. He didn't, you know, you didn't really hear too much hate coming from um, his character in the movie. If anything, I feel like he was more so like on his side. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, he just wanted deep balls. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he was looking those deep balls. Like, it, yeah, it was it was really interesting for him to be as laid back as he was. And then, like, you know, and then dude, Wayne Martin had a little quick, you know what I'm saying, appearance in here. He was with his agent. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. i tell you something else that we didn't mention. When it comes down to the mayor, mayor of Tyrone Small, oh, remember she man. was having a conversation with him at that, at that party. And she's talking about moving the team because, you know what I'm saying, they was having problems with the stadium. And that's something else. That I'm pretty sure the NFL team deal with, like they, you know, these owners are talking to the majors, trying to get money for their deals. You know, when their deals up and trying to get, you know, you know, renegotiating for things like that. So they gave us a lot of the real business stuff because, like, she said on a couple of occasions that they are the least paid team, but making the least amount of money in the whole yeah. league. I think she said they were like tenth, like like tenth from the last spot of like you know being profitable. So with her mm-hmm. recommendation talking about leaving, he was like, "Yo, you still got two years on your lease, but you can't do nothing." And then, you know, then he, he was trying to get into the skins too. Like he he was, you you can see it. Like he was trying he was trying to get into the skins. He, he did it real sweet when he put his oh, hand he, behind yeah, him back. You know what I'm saying? When he had a back out. Back, yeah, he lean back comment that he did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he, 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 he trying to get the kids. He's trying to get the kids. Yeah. Most definitely. I mean, he. I I feel like first off, they they picked the right actor for that role. I, I don't know what his name is, but he always uh, played that that smooth guy role. Clifton Davis. Yeah, he he always plays that smooth guy role. Um, he's a great actor as well, though. But I, I feel like, you know what I'm saying, and, I, and I'm going to keep going back to it at this point. Forget it. I'm going to keep going back to it, man. It, this is, to me, clearly the, the, most, um, the most true-to-life sports movie that we've seen. You know, it goes from the coach-owner aspect. It goes from the coach-player aspect. Um, it goes from the owner public aspect. It goes from, you know, the 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 relationships that each player is is having, not only on the field with each other, but in their personal lives. Like this this movie shows so many different aspects of the players, the coaches, the owners, and it's just like you really get a sense of what the NFL is like. You really get a sense of what pro football is like. You know, um, the closest thing to me, I feel like, to this is um, the podcast, I Am Athlete, with Brandon Marshall and Fred Taylor, Channing Crowder, and um, Ocho Cinco. Like, 
they talk so much about the the goings on of the NFL. It's like when you watch this movie, the things that they say don't seem far fetched. The things that they say don't seem out of pocket. It seems like they were, you know, saying so they could have been a character in this movie. They could have been one of the actors in this movie and, and really played that part. Um, to me, I think the one uh, another very interesting storyline in this movie because it has so many different storylines. Which once again, that's just to the, the genius of Oliver Stone to be able to, you know, saying put that together um, the way he did. To me, I felt like the the rise and fall and the rise of Willie Beeman. Well, I'm sorry, the fall, the rise, the fall, and then the rise of Willie Beeman was the main focus of this movie. But you also had the rise and fall and the rise of Tony. You know what I'm saying? You had the same thing with Cap. You had the same thing with the owner because she kind of, uh, you know, she kind of made out at the end of the movie as well. Like you just get to see so many different angles of this team, you know, even though they're fighting to be, you know, to fighting to get the, that playoff spot and fighting the, you know what I'm saying? You, you feel, I mean, like this movie makes you feel like you're a part of the team. This movie makes you feel like a fan. It makes you feel like you would root for the Miami Sharks. You know what I'm saying? It feels like you would wear a, a Willie Beeman Jersey, you know, um, in a sense, it kind of feels like a Colin Kaepernick situation as well. You know, we get to see how when when Willie Beeman and Tony got into it, you know, when, when Willie Beeman finally got to see how he was treated, how he realized, like, yo, y'all just look at me as another black quarterback. Y'all don't really see me as an asset to this team. Y'all just see me as a dude you could fit in any spot. You know what I'm saying? Like, this movie touches on so many different aspects of football, pro, pro football. It, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's crazy how it just foretells everything that we're seeing kind of going down right now. And and before we get to the fire flame, the movie that I would say on a high school level that is right down that lane Varsity is Voice of the Blues. Yes, sir. Exactly. You keep right in my mouth. Like yes, when, when you think about like the aspect, even the aspects of like uh, Moxon's dad being yep. as as invested as he was. Like there are parents that are nuts about their high school football team, and they uh, want all their kids to play for them. Friday and Night Lights. Like, Friday Night Lights. Yeah, I mean, and, and it was based on a true story. And the thing is, like, when, when it comes to the Carter football team. Cause I, I actually watched the Carter movie and I watched the documentary on it. Mm-hmm. They were just wilding. <laughs> they they ended up wilding when they started doing those robberies. But <laughs> so the okay, but, so, it, so it wasn't the, so the Permian Panthers ain't the real team. No, no, they're real. They're real. Okay. It's just the fact of the team that they played, the Carter team that they played. Yeah, they actually they, if I'm not mistaken, for the movie. They made the game closer than what it really was. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. No, the Carter, both of those teams are real teams in Texas. No, no. It's just the fact that. I know that. Yeah, it's just that Carter Carter really blew them out. Yeah. Okay. 
yeah, so I'm, that's what I was asking. Because I, I didn't know I didn't know if Permian was a real team or not. Yeah, yeah. But Carter, Carter, they the movie made the game closer, but Carter yeah. really blew him out. It, it, no, wasn't, yeah, Carter, it wasn't a Dallas game. Carter is, Dallas Carter is tough, bro. Oh, yeah. If you, if you go on YouTube and, like, check out some of that shit, they, yo, they tough. Oh, yeah. And then you even look at the talent that came out of the – like, they was uh, – uh, Jesse Olmstead was in that game. Yeah. The old former Giant player, he yeah. was in that game. And uh, yeah, that, yeah, they was they was raw with what those players did after the after the season though. <laughs> hey, but and then the racism that they endured when they was down there too, like well, you know, that they, they went through some yeah, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think high school. Why? I mean, Friday night life was you know what I'm saying it was it was good. Um, but I, I think that the way that because now Boston Blues is a, a well, great movie. Yeah. But at the same time, it, it gave you every different element. Even when it came down to the black running back, he yeah. would run him from the 20 to 20. They get in the red zone, he didn't give him the ball no more. That's crazy. And like, then you got the one, yeah, and then you got the star quarterback who's, you know, headed to Florida State and like the whole town is, and you know, behind him. Then he gets hurt. And then you got the girl who just want to get out of the town. So she yeah. tagged along to this guy. And then he gets hurt. So she's like, well, I'm going to move on to the other guy. So, like, there was a lot of shit that was in Boston the Blues that, like, I'm pretty sure that a lot of people, you know, dealt with. So yeah. I think that that was another movie on a high school level that gave us, you know what I'm saying, that real. Mm-hmm. But this is the – okay. So for the Fire Flame, Hold on, real I quick. want you to go first. We got we- something new. We got something new. So for the fire flames, man, you know what I'm saying? We're about to get into it, so let's go. Yoga fire. Yoga flame. So fire flame for me, man. Um whew. I feel like for sports movies, this is this is not top five, this is top three. You know what I'm saying? Um, like I said, man, it's it's super it's super to the point, super intricate. There's so many layers to this movie. Um, as far as the relationships go, as far as the, the realism goes, as far as you know, the you know, the the personalities, you know what I'm saying, even down to the fact that, you know, they're in the front office, you know what I'm saying, they're in the uh they're in the, the the, the coaches' rooms, they're, in, you know what I'm saying, like, they're dealing with a coach who, you know what I'm saying, is on his way out, but ends up proving himself and getting to another team, taking his quarterback with him, you know what I'm saying, so on and so forth. And then just the, you know what I'm saying, just the realities of it, you know what I mean, the, the battles between players, the battles between players and coaches, um, even the relationships between players and owners, you know, with everything that we've seen with these past few years, I feel like this movie has, in a way, or I'm sorry, in a weird way, kind of, you know, been a, been before its time. You know, it was kind of made before its time. And I feel like with everything that we've seen within these last few years, um, with Kaepernick, with, you know what I'm saying, social injustice, um, the way that they handle that, you know what I'm saying, situation, um, 
you know, dealing with, um, you know, incoming, you know, saying rookies, dealing with, you know, saying veteran players, you know, saying like I've, I don't know how many metaphors and examples I've given throughout this this episode alone, but just looking back and thinking about all of these, to me, I feel like this movie deserves a four point five. Okay, four point five. Okay, I'm feeling that. Um, like when I th- when I when I think about this movie, the how realistic it is. Um, even with to the cast, man, the cast is crazy, like crazy, crazy. Um, and then, and it's so funny because no, 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 that's that's something else. That's a whole thing. I was about to say something, but it had nothing to do with nothing. But I like one of my favorite parts that I didn't get to mention, and uh, when Jim Brown was talking on the sideline, when um when Julian Washington and and, and um and Willie Beeman got uh the one dude hurt McClinton hurt yeah and like he was giving a speech to the defense and he was going in on the defense oh, and they was like yo chill coach before you catch a stroke he said I don't get strokes motherfucker I give them. <laughs> <laughs> scene when he was like, he said, man, I made this shit damn simple enough, like when he was throwing in the defense and shit. But anyway, it's outside the point. Um, I think that this movie is great. It, it's one of my, definitely, I'm with you, it's one of my top three sports movies, uh, especially football. Um, mm-hmm. if one, I don't know, well, if, if I add basketball, it slides down a little bit for me. Okay. Um, I, I always tend to enjoy basketball movies a little bit more. As far as this movie and as far as this rating, man, I am I'm with you, man. I I, I give it I give it a four point five fire flame. Um, it's it's really close to a five, but there's some other stuff that you know what I'm saying. It ain't it's, it's criticism. It's just a little stuff here and there. You know what I'm saying? Like, but overall, man, it was it was it was a great movie, man. Yeah, man, I I totally agree, man. I, you know, it's just it's, it's one of the ones, man. You know, Ooh, it, it it got it got too real at certain points. It got too. I I, I understand why Jamar, you know, what I'm saying, talked about how the NFL had to had the thumbprint on it, and then they took it off. I, if I was the NFL, I would have took it off as well, because this was in a sense it was too revealing, man. It was way too revealing, especially for 1999. Yeah, yeah. Cause now there's a lot of shit that we know because there's so much access now. But back then in '99, no social media, like they 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 had to. It didn't make a lot of sense for them to, to pull out. That is true. We didn't even have MySpace yet. Yeah. So Dang. they they knew what they was doing. It, 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 I don't think they knew that technology was gonna soar the way that it is right now. Yeah, and all of this stuff is 
easy access, but back then in 99, I could see why they did what they did. It makes sense. Yeah, I agree, man. Um, So, you know what I'm saying, going into the trailer, man, Um, this next movie that we got coming up, um, Okay, I got, I got, I got, a, I got a good one for it. I got a good one for it, right? Um, because this is one of Quentin Tarantino's uh, masterpieces. You know what I'm saying? This is this is one of the yep. ones that you know he put together and um, he pieced together so well. Um, just put it like this, man. Um, it's a kick in the face. <laughs> well, I'm gonna say, man, it's, it, this is definitely when it comes down to. Wait a minute. Yeah, you said Quentin Tarantino. Um, this is this is in my top three. This really, no, nah, I will say this is probably my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. Really, and. The one thing about it, yeah, yeah, and the one thing about it is like, man, like, they, I mean, they slice you up, man, to to a whole point of like, when you know, it's it's, it's it'll take your head off and it, it'll blow your mind, man. It's it's, make, it's just one of those type right things. Where, <laughs> Hey, look, this this episode, man, is 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 gonna be it's gonna be really it's gonna be off the screen, man, because yeah. there there is so much stuff like with this it's it's yo it's it's on, man, it's on, like <laughs> nah, it's gonna it's gonna be great, it's gonna be a great episode, man. Definitely, but, man. But Nah, fuck that, man. Let's be real with the people. You know what I'm saying? Because of some schedule, some schedule issues, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? I got I got some stuff coming up this weekend. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, we've already done the episode. Yeah, we pre-recorded. And shit is it, fire. Man. It is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's a fire episode, man. Um, And, you know, because... You know, so I'm going. I'm going out of town this weekend. I'm hoping I don't get fucked up, man, because it's supposed to snow this weekend. Now, my damn birthday coming. I got. I got something planned. I got something going on. Hey, listen, don't you worry. Ain't no snow coming no time soon. Man, I hope not. But you know what I'm saying. So listen, in Ohio, we ain't been getting nothing but rain, bro. Ain't no snow coming no time soon. If we ain't got no snow, y'all ain't getting no snow. (laughs) <laughs> but man, listen, it's 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 definitely it's definitely man a, a, a great episode, man. Yeah. Um, I hope the people enjoy it, and because it was it was it was it was it was so fucking fun doing that shit. Now it's, it's been fun, man. We got to thank you tomorrow, man. I don't know what happened. Maybe some stuff came up. He had to uh, jump off the uh, jump off the feet, but you know it was great, yeah. him, man, to come on for the two episodes, man. We appreciate him. You know, being the first guest of the uh, Viewers Anonymous podcast, so got shot to that dude. You know, like this dude, man. He, he he's flying the charts, man. He's flying the charts, man. You know, he's starting to, you know, he, he turned the thing into a career. You know, 
you know, mm-hmm. me and you, you know, this is something that we do, you know, that we're very passionate about, that we love, you know, so we love would be, you know what I'm saying, our career, but we haven't got to that point yet. So, you know, for right. this dude be able to, you know, turn this stuff into his career, man, to do this for y'all, this is a name that y'all are going to know. You know what I'm saying? And he was on the Views Anonymous podcast. You know, also, you know, he jumped on the Stolen Time podcast as well a couple of times. But this is the name that people is going to know, man. And, and it's truly an honor, man, to have him on. And also admit that I don't know. And I still don't remember doing that. But he wasn't <laughs> saying it didn't happen. <laughs> so, but to share that story, a lot of people don't like to tell people they got out of man. So I appreciate that, dude, man. Hey man, that's all love, man. man. That's all love when, when you know what I'm saying. We can get somebody that's honest like that, man. It's good to get those kind of stories. You know what I'm saying. We get to see, you know what I'm saying, who the real you was. You know what I'm saying. We know that you might not talk a lot, but we know that you was out there dunking on people. So you know what I'm saying. That's a great thing. <laughs> so you know what I'm saying. Man, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, man listen, uh, real quick before we leave out, man. Um, I also want to give a shout out to uh you know what I'm saying the Immaculate Bros. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to them. They have a podcast coming up very soon. I'm gonna be working with them. Um I will not be on the screen. I'll be behind the scenes. But you know what I'm saying they was gracious enough to hit me up and uh we talked about some things and they allowed me to come in and um produce for them. So you guys be looking out for that very soon. The Immaculate Bros podcast is coming very, very soon. Go to their YouTube page, The Immaculate Bros. Go subscribe now. Um, they'll be dropping the first episode very soon. Look out for that. Um, also, uh, to support The Immaculate Bros, go to, hold on, wait, NorthStateOfMind.com. Go support them. Go grab their merchandise. Um, also, go on iTunes, go on Spotify, uh, whatever music pie, uh, music app you have. Search We Go High. That's also an affiliate of the Immaculate Bros. Go support them as well. They got a new single out called Dumb Shit. Go support that. That shit is fire. Um, man, that that thing hit right now. So, you know what I'm saying? Go go support them. Um, Immaculate Bros, um, NorthStateOfMind.com, and then go look up on all your music streaming services. We go high. We is spelled like um, in French. It's O-U-I. G-O-H-I-G-H. So go, you know what I'm saying, help them. Go support them. Go follow them. Make sure you stream makes uh, music. Make sure you watch the videos. And, of course, make sure you buy the merchandise from the site. Um, they would greatly appreciate it. I would greatly appreciate it as well. Um, but for me, man, you know what I'm saying, go check me out on um, go check me out on Twitter, at Scoots Bronson. Check me out on Instagram, Scoots Bronson underscore TV. Um, if you are listening to this, you can also watch, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, if you're listening to this, you can also watch this on YouTube at, um, Scoots Bronson TV, just search it or just go to viewers anonymous on YouTube. The video will pop up. Um, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure you hit that like button. Um, go to the viewers anonymous pod watch group. It's VA pod watch group on Facebook. Go ahead, jump in there. We're trying to build this community up. We're trying to make this thing happen. Um, we got visuals now. If you uh, if you don't have a YouTube or if you don't watch YouTube and you're always on Facebook, you can go to the VA Pod Watch Group 
and you can actually watch us live every time um, we do an episode. That's every Tuesday and Thursday. So you'll be able to see it first if you jump in and join the watch group. Um, if not, you'll have to listen to us whenever we drop. So that'll be, you know what I'm saying, the following night. So I'm sorry, that'll be that night, and you can listen to us the following morning. So, um, yeah, um, 15 Minutes of Fame. Go check out my last episode of S. Foster. We had a hell of a time, man. We talked about space. We talked about all kind of crazy shit, man. That shit was fun. We had a bunch of laughs. Um, as that was, you know what I'm saying, he was out of his element in this one. Usually he talking about sports. He usually talking about, you know what I'm saying, serious stuff. You know what I'm saying, this time I had to, you know, get him out of his element and, and talk about some other things, man. And, and we had a ball. Uh, I got another episode coming soon, dropping with Jasmine Soto. Um, she has a social work program that she does in Cincinnati, Ohio. So go check that out. And Isolated Society is back, live streaming. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be on the Scoots Bronson media page um, on Facebook and, of course, on the YouTube. So make sure, like I said, you subscribe, you go to those pages, follow those pages, and, um, yeah, that's it. That's all I got, man. That's a lot. <laughs> now I got to get it out there, man. People need to know. Yo, go uh, check out uh, the Stolen Time podcast, man. I just put out, you know, one episode, uh, episode 195. You know what I'm saying? First pod of 2021. Um, very excited about that. Made some changes with it. Um, so uh, please go check it out, man. We um, we did a new format on this episode. You know what I'm saying? So me and Uncle Washington trying to make some changes to make it better for the people. They try to make it a better listening experience. So go check out uh, the Stolen Time Podcast um, on uh, all major platforms and the uh, Stolen Time Podcast page on uh, Facebook. Also, man, check out the 28 Minutes or Less podcast, man. I just dropped my first episode that got the visual. You know what I'm saying? So go to uh, on YouTube. It's uh, it's just Stolen Time Podcast um, on YouTube. So then I got the first visual I did. Uh, the TV series Luther, man. One of my favorite, 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 favorite TV shows, man. Great series. Um, by I know Scoop. I, I, I said, Scoots, I, I, I think I shouted you out now. I said you don't really like the British accent, but, but no, that no, shit no. was hard. Though. No, no, I love the British accent. Well, who am I thinking about? Somebody somebody don't like the British accent. No, I, I oh. love the British accents. I hate fake British accents. Oh, okay. I feel you. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I dropped, I dropped that first. I, I dropped that uh that visual, man. So I'm trying to take the 28 minutes or less, you know what I'm saying, do give people the visuals and the audio. So check out the 28 minutes or less podcast on all major platforms. Um, I'm working on a guest with that, man. Uh, a new a new guest that's going to be, uh, I think I think it's going to be a fight episode, man, but that's, that's a little down the road. But the next episode, you know what I'm saying, we, we doing uh, a part two. Uh, me, you, and the dude Casey. So we uh, yes, sir. About to, uh knock that out here soon. So be on the lookout. That's gonna be the next episode. Um, Can't wait. Yeah, man. That's all I got. Other than uh, follow the Stolen Time Pod on Instagram and at Foster Eight on Instagram as well. Excuse me. Yeah, man. Um, if you're listening to this right now, thank you very much. This is the first time we actually went live. Um, so we are going. You know what I'm saying? We we might do it again. Again, um, on YouTube, we might just wait and then just go ahead and upload it to YouTube. But like I said, man, if you are on 
Um, the VA Pod Watch Group is definitely going to be on there every time. We're going to go live on that page every time. So if you join the VA Pod Watch Group, you'll be able to watch. Um, you'll be able to watch us live every time we record. Um, and you know, what I'm saying, make sure you add yourself to that group because we're trying to build a community. We're trying to build a base, and it would be very, very helpful <clears throat> if you guys did that. You know, what I'm saying. Goodness gracious, excuse me. Um, you can add comments on here as well. Um, if you comment while we recording, we'll definitely throw your comment up. So, you know what I'm saying? Everybody that watches, you know what I'm saying? Who knows? You might get famous, you know what I'm saying, for putting up a funny comment. So going, you know what I'm saying, here on forward, man, we're doing big, big things like we told y'all before. Um 2021 is um is our year. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Jerry and Vincent. He just left a comment, as you guys can see, uh, if you're watching. Um, but you know what I'm saying? 2021 is, is a year that we're going to be doing major things. We're going to be, uh, you know what I'm saying, building from here on out. We're going up, going up, going up, going up. So um, with that being said, man, thank you guys once again for listening, for watching. Uh, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you follow us on everything that we do. Um, stay in tune. And with that being said, man, you already know, like they said, Hollywood, it's a wrap. Cut.